This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Thursday afternoon. Uh, yes, we are chatting with Marinanchi as we usually do around once a month. Sometimes it's Thursday. However, now we've got the today's leaders for the next few weeks. So we actually had to bump Marinanchi, and I don't get to do that very often. So I got bumped to Wednesday. You got bumped to Wednesday. But, but it helped me learn an important fact because you see, listeners, every time I come on the show, there are always donuts. <laughs> and they told me the donuts only come on Thursdays. And I just believe that they eat donuts every day. <laughs> we do not eat donuts every day. You would not want that. And actually, we should also mention that we are live broadcasting on Facebook. A few months ago, we tried the Periscope. Yeah. Now we're trying live broadcasting. Well, Facebook Live is fabulous. Yes, Facebook yeah. Live. So um, Katie, my lovely producer, is doing this for a few minutes. So if you're on Facebook, you can actually uh, watch it because we are in our lovely street level studio. This That's is another really thing. nice. Yeah. Yes, we've actually, you don't even have to do the stairs. You get to just come to our street level studio. So how have you been? I've been very well, thank you. It's been very, very busy. A lot of news. I feel like a little less news would be good. Yeah. Hey, can can you just give me some thoughts on Rob Ford? Because, you you know, over the years, you and Rob Ford had some interaction. Yeah, you know, he was elected uh, one week after me. And as a result of that, a lot of people found it sort of irresistible to compare the two of us through our ups and downs. In fact, the first uh, cartoon, I think, in the Toronto Star after he was elected was actually a cartoon of him and me. Uh, which I've got uh, in the office, mm-hmm. my first political cartoon outside of Calgary. Um, and of course, then after a while, his ups and downs sort of got very up and very down beyond mine, and that ended. But right. So we always had this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I never knew him that well, but of course I knew him. And I just remember that in the middle of all of his drama, he came to a big city mayor's caucus meeting in Ottawa, and there's always lots of media and press at these things. But at that particular one, it was like satellite trucks and right. big cam. You know, you go to the washroom and there's just tons of people you'd have to walk through. Mm-hmm. But then when he got in the door and he shut the door, he was there because he wanted to talk about affordable housing. And he very simply said, I don't know how many of you guys have actually been inside these units, but I've been to these people's houses that are run by the Toronto Housing Company. And it's not good enough. It's not dignified enough. We have to do better by these folks. And really, you know, was very, very passionate in defending this. And and that's how I remember him as a guy who, he didn't have to be a public servant. He was well off. He could have done anything he wanted. And he was young, right? He's only a couple years older than me. I was 38 when I was elected. He was 40. And uh, he did it because he really, really had a deep love for his city. And he really believed that the city wasn't doing right by many of its citizens. And that, and that's why he did what he did. And, yeah. and for me, that's how I choose to remember him. Yeah, no, and I think that's what a lot of people are remembering. It, it's sad that he had the, the issues with drugs and everything else, but a lot of people that I talked to have said that, you know what, he had Toronto in his heart. He really was yeah. looking at the average guy. So that's I mean, that I, you know, cool. I've got a philosophical issue about this, which is, and it's going to sound a bit cheesy for the afternoon drive audience, but I really believe that if you put yourself in a position of public service that you owe the best of yourself to the people who have put you in that position. And not only are you taking care of them, but you got to take care of yourself. And you got to make sure that you're bringing the best of yourself, the best game you've got every single day. And whether people agree or disagree with me, that's something I really try to do. Yeah. And so for me, watching his situation was deeply, deeply troubling. It was deeply sad because you really saw a guy who wanted to do the best thing 
but was not able to put that best foot forward for whatever reason. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think the people of Toronto were particularly well served by that. Um, but I also think he and his family were not particularly well served by that. So it makes it doubly sad. Um, of course, I always start, start this conversation off with a few things that are on my mind. But then, of course, you can always call 974-TALK, 974-8255, and you can text 770-770. Um, we do have Mayor Nancy till 4 o'clock, so whatever piques your interest, definitely give us a call or send us a text. So yesterday, of course, the federal budget came down. You know, I, I'm sure you're happy with the infrastructure spending, although it wasn't as much as they seem to have promised during the election campaign. Well, you know, I have to, like uh, like most people, I have to put on a couple different hats as yes. I'm evaluating uh, what's happening here. So I'll, I'll set aside the pundit and she had about the debt and the deficit and what that means uh, for the city and whether or whether for the country and, and whether or not the economic growth projections can be met. But I'll put on the mayor hat for a minute, which is that the I really felt, and I went through the whole budget last night and or yesterday afternoon, and I really felt that for the first time since I've been in this job, we actually have a budget that recognizes that Canadians live in cities. Yes. And in many, many ways, this was a budget for people who live in cities. And I, to me, that's a good thing. There's a lot of details to be worked out. We don't know how much money is going to flow or when it's going to flow and so on. But the investment in infrastructure is important. And particularly the fact that they highlighted water and wastewater. That's an area that we... You see it on your water bill every month, spend up to $400 million a year on, and the federal government has never participated in before. So that's a great thing. Um, the long-term commitment to public transit will help us to get that green line built, as well as the other transit projects we've got in the hopper um, to help us fulfill our route ahead and take cars off the road and reduce congestion, which is great. And then most people don't know that we have not had new funding for a single unit of of affordable housing to be built in Calgary since 2011 or 2012 during the midst of a terrible housing crisis. And the fact that the federal government had some real details on affordable housing, they've really thought about this and they signaled that they're willing to step back in to the affordable housing piece, which is their responsibility, not ours. Uh, I took great great, uh, strength from that. So... The next big issue is the provincial budget Mm -hmm. because a lot of the federal money flows through the province. So in the budget document, for example, you'll see that one example they gave a project in Calgary was $500 million to the completion of the Southwest Ring Road. Now that is a project that is already funded by the province and is a provincial project. So my expectation is that that if the province is receiving money from the feds for stuff they've already budgeted for, then that money will get rebated right back to the cities and to the city of Calgary. So fingers crossed. Uh, We'll get the provincial budget on April 14th, and then relatively quickly after that, we'll be able to tell Calgarians, look, these are the projects that we're going to get in the ground this summer. These are the jobs we're going to be hiring for this summer, in addition to the $3 billion we're already doing. So, uh, So for me, I feel quite good about that. Mayor Nancy, it was about three years ago, was it, when we were talking about the $52 million surplus educational tax room you know that ex- whole conversation is if you've forgotten i have no a- idea what you're talking about a- i know about. yeah it's funny how short your memory is and so of course it was last week that we saw uh, another surplus with the city um, what's going to happen to that you know we know how the phone lines jammed up with people saying give it back to us you know so what's the conversation going on with now the 56 million well the real the real interesting question is not that one year because although that's a very very large number in a $3 billion budget, that's not a very large number. Um, I'm very happy, actually, that we continue to be one of the few governments anywhere in Canada 
that have a consistently positive financial picture. I'm very happy that even with a reduction in revenue last year, we still came up with a small surplus, about 2 or 3% of our um, total expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, the, you know, that's good budgeting, and I'm proud of that. So what had happened of the surplus last year, a chunk of it is we think ongoing. So we'll save that money every year. That money has already been returned to the taxpayers. So when we took the 4.7 down to 3.5, that's what that was. Right. So that's the ongoing savings. There's this little bit of money that is one time only. And so what will happen with that one time only 50 odd million is right now it's just sitting in the bank in the rainy day fund. Yes. Uh, I think most council members have said, you know, it, we, that, that fund is in good shape. Uh, we don't have to worry too much about filling it up even more. We took $100 million out of it, as you may recall, to play for FUD infrastructure, and we managed to pay that back. So, so that's good. Uh, so the real question then is, do you do a one-time tax rebate, you know, $50 a house maybe, um, which you won't get until June, or do you use that and hold it back for those provincial and federal budgets so we have matching funds in case... They want to go ahead and build something that we didn't have budgeted until 17 or 18, and we can use that money to bring it forward. So that's a discussion we'll have. The really interesting question, though, is can you count on this year on year? And if you can count on it year on year in the future, do you use it to reduce the tax rate? And as I said, we've already done that with the stuff we know we can count on year on year. I would not use one-time money to reduce the tax rate because that means then somebody's going to get a double hit increase. on tax increases mm-hmm. uh, two years down the road. And right. I think most councillors agree that that's not the smartest thing right. to do. All right. Uh, let's see. Another conversation that's been going on is the um, BRT, the Southwest BRT. Are we going to see public engagements? Because I know you put a halt mm-hmm. to it after things got out of control, apparently, at one of the town hall meetings. Well, we haven't stopped engaging on this. Uh, there has been something like 60-plus public meetings on this particular issue, uh, and we continue to engage. In fact, we launched just yesterday the, I haven't even seen it yet, the new virtual town hall where people can come and get their questions answered and ask questions online. The interesting thing about this is that this is one of four bus rapid transit ways we're building. No one ever talks about the other three, the North Cross Town, the South Cross Town, um, and the 17th Avenue Southeast, uh, which has been on the books for a long time. The challenge with this one is it's not about engagement. It's about people who don't like the answer. And if you don't like the answer and you just keep asking over and over again, you know, so what's the answer on the high-pressure gas pipeline? We're working with ATCO and we'll have an answer. Mm -hmm. What's the answer on the budget? This is how we do all projects. We do a class five budget. We present it to the community. We see what people like, what they don't like, what you can add, what you can subtract. You get a final budget. This is our normal process. The challenge with that meeting in February, uh, as I've said before, is I'm going to use some crude language for a moment. When you have people saying, where is that bitch? I'm going to strangle her. This is not acceptable. Um, When you've got pushing and shoving going on, it's not acceptable. But the most important thing is that 85% of the people surveyed about that meeting said it was not useful because you had a few people yelling and screaming and not allowing other people to ask their questions. So what's the point of spending time and money mm-hmm. on a process that isn't working? Uh, and I don't think anyone would argue that that meeting was a paragon of democracy. So rather than have more and more of those, I'm going to focus our efforts to make sure we're really listening to people, hearing their questions, answering them, and moving forward in the design. So to give you a simple example, it is the case that we build on top of gas pipelines all the time. And there was this question about can you do it? I actually live just off of 68th Street Northeast, high-pressure gas pipeline, um, which has now been decommissioned. However, 
It is also the case that ATCO is looking to move their high-pressure gas pipelines into the ring road alignment. And you wouldn't want to tear up the street twice. Right, which we've which seen. Which we saw on Elbow Drive, Elbow, for yeah. example, mm-hmm. a few years ago. So we have to make sure we're coordinated on that. So people say, well, why do you only have a construction schedule yet? Well, it's because we need to figure out what ATCO's schedule is because I'm not going to tear that street up one summer and then tear it up again the next summer. And if that means delaying one project for the other one, we'll do that to be smart. The other thing is the ridership. There's been a lot of criticism about, wait a second, you even have hard numbers that... um, allowing the bus rapid transit, there's a need for it, or you're going to see an increase in ridership. How do you respond to that? Every time you build this stuff, you see an increase in ridership. Uh, We're sitting here at the Westbrook station on the West LRT. And of course, the moment the LRT was built, the ridership went through the roof. I mean, some people are saying, why don't you run a pilot? How do you run a pilot of an express bus if there's no lane for the express bus to go in? What is very interesting about this is in our 2014 ridership survey, Every one of those neighborhoods uh, along, except for one, every one of those neighborhoods along the 14th Street um, alignment have transit ridership between 20 and 25% roughly. That's actually not bad for Calgary. It's, it's reasonably high. You've got lots of students going to Mount Royal University. You've got lots of people going downtown, lots of people going to the Rocky View Hospital, which is the hugest employer uh, in that quadrant of the city. So there are lots of people taking the bus. The funny thing is the one neighborhood, Eagle Ridge, where a lot of the opposition is coming from, their ridership is actually, according to that survey, 0%. So clearly it's a different reality that they're facing than most of their neighbors are facing. And so a, bi- a pilot of a cycle track is different than a pilot of a BRT. Because you can take it out. <laughs> the only way to pilot the bus, the pilot the BRT, is to close a lane of traffic and have the bus run in a lane of traffic and take one away from cars. Nobody wants that. And so this is a relatively uncomplicated construction because you're not taking away any car lanes. You're building a new bus lane within the existing road right-of-way, so you're shrinking the median and you're getting rid of a little bit of the grass on the side of the road. But fundamentally, it's going to help the the 20% of people who take it now. So even if ridership stays now the way it is, you're going to get a much faster trip to Rocky View and to Mount Royal. And particularly for Rocky View Hospital that is always has a lack of parking, if we can get the people that work there every day taking the bus instead of clogging up 14th Street, it makes a huge difference. Someone We're says, uh, Yane and she love these interviews. Would you mind absorbing Chestamere, though? We'd sure appreciate it. But there is a conversation <laughs> going on about the yeah, whole Yeah, have you, have you met the mayor of Chestermere? She's terrifying. <laughs> she would not let me absorb it. Actually, she's a very good friend. Um, actually, that's a good question because there is a big conversation going around around the growth of the region. And certainly there have been some battles in the past between Calgary and Rocky View County and Chestermere and Rocky View County. Yes. Calgary, Chestermere, Cochrane, uh, Airdrie and Okotoks, sometimes Strathmore tend to be on one side of the whole thing. But the good news is that the current provincial government is really putting a hammer down on this and saying, look, you've got to be able to figure out how to get along in order for the, to build out the community the best way you possibly can. There's been a lot of regional planning errors that have been made um, in the last several years. And, you know, we had a big issue recently about that slaughterhouse on the north side of the city in Rocky View County. And we need much more thoughtful regional planning. And the new Reeve of Rocky View and I had a very good meeting a couple of weeks ago. I continue to meet with the mayors of those other towns and cities around us. And I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Maybe it's just spring and sunny and I'm happy, but I'm feeling optimistic that we're going to get a good regional plan in place because we have to. Uh, the other exciting thing, by the way, about that is that the new regional transit will start in September. So you're going to see um, buses from, if I've got it right, 
High River, Turner Valley, Black Diamond, and particularly Okotoks mm. come in and connect with the LRT. The ICE bus from um, Airdrie has been very successful, and we'll see some stuff from Chestermere as well. Good stuff. Uh, let's take one phone call before we have to take a break, and let's go to Terry. Hi, Terry. Hello, Terry. Terry, uh, Terry, You know what? Terry. I think I just lost Terry. I apologize. And although we are in a different studio, so it might actually be my fault. So, Terry, call back. And let's just quickly try to get another one. How about Ken? Hello, Ken? Yes, good afternoon. Um, ever since Bronconia became mayor, uh, Calgary has been on a building bench that uh, I don't think has been uh, is unprecedented. I'm curious to know what the city's capital debt is and has been since... Bronconia took office, and what the, what the service debt is on that. So you're talking about Dave Bronconia and now Mayor Nenshi? You're not yep. confusing Bronconia. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. I, I actually couldn't hear you very well, but I think I got the question, which is we've been building a lot. What's the debt of the city? Is that right? The capital debt, yep. Yeah, so the city's total debt is just south of $4 billion. Uh, it actually went down a little bit this year, which I'm happy about. Um, and so... The vast majority of that, which surprises people, is actually water and wastewater. And so back in 2000, um, before, just before Mayor Bronconi became the mayor, a decision was made that we would no longer charge developers the cost of water and wastewater upgrades. Those are about $400 million a year. Uh, and so we accumulated this huge debt and we weren't paying it back. When I became mayor... One of the first things I did, which I'm not very proud of, is really increased your water bills because I said we got to start paying that debt back. And we also had developers start paying half of the cost of the water and wastewater infrastructure. And then this past January, we have a new bylaw where the developers are paying 100%. So that will really help us hold the growth of our debt. Uh, Since I've been mayor, I have a, a rule in my own mind, which is we only take on new debt when we have a identified source of funding that is not property tax in order to pay it back. So for example, we uh, use a GST rebate to pay for those new rec centers, um, the four new rec centers we're building and so on, because I really want to make sure it's under control. Now we have the best debt rating of just about any city in Canada. The debt rating agencies think we're managing that very well and this is an appropriate amount, but I hate paying interest. So I like to keep it as low as possible, though I will say that given this interest rate environment that we're in, which is essentially free money, as our construction costs go down, it may well be prudent for us to borrow to um, cost share with the federal and provincial governments to build stuff, including the Green Line. All right, we have uh, lots of texts to get to, lots of phone calls too. So let me throw in a a couple of uh, texts here. Time to start charging people a toll for driving their cars downtown. Many ways to fund the Stony Trail for an early finish. You know, every thinker in the world who thinks about this stuff says toll roads make sense. And they're the right way to fund this kind of infrastructure. I just got something deep in me. It must be an Albertan thing. I just don't like them. Um, because I worry that uh, they create two classes of roads for people, those who can afford to drive on the toll road and those who drive on the you know, residential roads or whatever is nearby. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I personally would like to avoid as much as possible, even though every you know, economist and transportation engineer says it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, th- it may well be that they'll come to us someday. I'd like to prevent that as long as I can. And the congestion charges to enter downtown, we're not at that point. You know, we've managed to use good strategies, even though people complain about parking and so on, 
to make sure that we don't have to go there. And in fact, a study just came out today from TomTom, the GPS people, saying that Calgary is the least congested city in Canada and our rush hours are the least horrible. Uh, And so I think that the strategies we've got now are working. Um, I'm not sure that uh, going to that user fee route is is something that I'm really behind. Uh, Back to your comment about passing on costs to developers when it comes to water and infrastructure and everything else. Um, One person texted and said, yeah, and watch the developers pass on the cost to us. Thanks, Nenshi. Well, sure. But right now they're passed on to every citizen. So the real philosophical debate is should the people in the new areas be paying for that when they pay for their house? And hopefully the developers don't take quite as huge a margin. Uh, or should all Calgarians be paying for it? And I think most people, including most developers, say growth should pay for itself. Let's go to the phones. Uh, huh, Jim's been waiting a while. Hello, Jim. Thank you, uh, Mayor Nenshi. Hi, Jim. Uh, you kind of answered some of, my, uh, some of the questions with regards to the surplus. But when, you, when you're stuck in traffic over the Crow Child spaghetti bowl per se oh i know it well and look, and, and look at it there it, it, it just can't see why there'd be any question with what would be happening with the surplus <laughs> but going from that i'd like to talk a little bit about calgary next and and sure. ken king's agenda and i just don't understand why there is so ex- so much push for that thing when you see some of the bigger metropolises like i would see something around cross iron mills or something like that where you have a lot of major arteries where the traffic could quickly disperse I just don't get this this agenda. Who owns the cow, who owns the saddle dome anyway? What is the, what, what's wrong with the saddle dome? Oh, so many questions. Okay, let me let me try and hit all of them. Uh, so number one, I will talk talk about Crowchild Trail for a minute, which is we are in the middle of a major consultation on Crowchild. Go to Calgary.ca/Crowchild to see some of the ideas on there. The problem with Crowchild is yes, it's about money, but actually the bigger problem on Crowchild is an engineering problem. Because if I had a billion dollars, I might be able to improve Crowchild from 24th Avenue all the way across the river, but it would require knocking out a bunch of houses and schools and neighborhoods that already exist. And and I don't think anybody wants that. So we actually have some very, very smart transportation engineers trying to figure out what can you do in that very narrow span, especially that spaghetti over the river. That's funny because that's what I call it too. Um, to try and make it better. And there's some really innovative, really neat ideas coming up about how you might be able to squeeze in another lane of traffic there. Uh, I think that will work out really well. In terms of Calgary Next, so to back up, um, I think that if you're going to build something like that, it has to have excellent public transit access. And so, you know, in a location like Cross Iron Mills to get the train or even express buses out there, I think would be very, very challenging. But it also has to have good road access and good parking. So there's a bunch of things we're thinking about. In terms of the process, there is a report that will be coming back to council on April the 25th. And that report will be the result of the analysis that the city has done because, you know, the Flames came up with this idea and the city has spent actually quite a lot of time and money analyzing it and figuring out how it might work and what it might look like. That'll come to council on April 25th. There'll be a public discussion about that. So I imagine that whole week in April, we're going to be talking a lot about it and what makes sense on where to move forward if we want to move forward. As for the Saddle Dome, the city, it's a very interesting situation. The city owns it, um, but... We don't get a penny from it. So all of the rental revenue and all of the concession and everything all goes to the Flames, even for hockey games, for concerts, for everything. And they make a donation. I think it's $300,000 a year to minor sport as sort of their rent. Um, you know, they feel that the Saddle Dome will soon be the oldest building, oldest unrenovated building in the NHL, which is a bit weird because Madison Square Garden is still there, even though it's been renovated. Um, anyway... 
and they feel that they cannot compete with this anymore and that they ought to have something new. And I think most Calgarians would like to have a new arena. The question is, what is the extent of public participation and public money in doing that? And I've always said, and in fact, Council unanimously endorsed our number one criterion in analyzing this as public money must go for public benefit, uh, not for private profit. So we really have to figure out what public benefit there is in either a new arena, a new stadium, or a new field house, or all three. And are we having a report from Council on the Calgary Next project in a couple of months? April 25th. April 25th, that's what it is. Uh, uh, Jim, thanks so much for that, only because we've got so many more calls to get to. Um, Although, unfortunately, we've lost a listener. Someone doesn't like my interview with the uh, mayor and says he's turning it off. Highest, second highest parking in rate in North America. Are you kidding me? Janitors at City Hall making seventy thousand a year. I can. Ooh, I'd haul, like to meet them. I can haul my garbage cheaper than what the city charges me. Turning you off. So Craig isn't probably listening anymore to be able to hear your answer. But what would you say to his claims of the seventy thousand? Well, I'd love to meet janitor? that janitor uh, and see how he's doing. Um, but what I would uh, really say is, look, people are always going to have stuff to complain about. At the end of the day, our citizen satisfaction index that we do every year are numbers that anyone would kill for in any other government. People are proud to be Calgarians. They're proud of the services they they receive, and they do it all for the lowest property taxes in Canada. So you're not going to please everybody all the time. Uh, and certainly there are people who would prefer to pay nothing and get nothing. If you really think you can haul your uh, trash yourself for $8 a month, uh, including your time. Uh, you're not getting paid very much per hour, I don't think. But uh, the, all of that said, this is a balance. This is what we always do in politics, right? We try to balance out how much does it cost and what services do we provide. And I think we largely, thanks to the citizens of this city and their generosity in helping us think through this thing, get that balance largely right. Some people are going to say, well, we should have much better services and I'm willing to pay more. I hear that almost as often as I hear, oh, you're gouging me on this, this, that, or the other thing. The good news is the entire budget is public, every line. And you are welcome to take a look and you are welcome to tell us where we could be doing better. You know, we've saved about $150 million in efficiencies in the last couple of years. Uh, I think that's a very good thing. We were able to reduce the property tax rate for 16 as a result. Uh, But we can always do better. And I'm always happy to take advice on how to do better. It's unfortunate Craig wouldn't have heard that response. Uh, Let's go back to the phones and say hello to Trent. Trent, you've got a question for the mayor on the bike lanes. Hi, Mayor Nancy. I can I never make it through an hour on her show without talking about bike lanes, Trent. Go ahead. Okay. I have a question about the bike lanes. I work downtown every working day, and um, my office is my vehicle. They're taking up um, space I could be parking at. I don't see anyone in the bike lanes. I see maybe four to five bikes a day, especially on 11th Avenue, 7th Street, 5th Street, 10th Avenue, et cetera, et cetera. So the interesting thing about that trend is two of those streets don't have bike lanes on them. 7th Street, 5th Street, and 12th Ave are the only ones downtown. Um, and in right. fact, if and you... That's, and that's what I said, 7th Street, 5th Street, 11th Avenue, and 10th Avenue has bike lanes as well. No, they were taken out when the 12th Ave ones were put in, and there aren't any on 11th. Um, okay, well, the, the but, markings are still there. But all that said is um, the 12th Ave is where they are. You're welcome to look at the stats. Uh, If you go to calgary.ca, there's actually real-time bike counters that show you how many people are using it. Certainly the numbers are lower in the winter, even with this beautiful winter that we've had, than they were before. Our goal was to triple the amount of bike traffic downtown in this one-year pilot. Uh, We did do that uh, everywhere except 8th Avenue. 8th Avenue is the one where it still remains lower than what we thought we would do. 
Uh, 12th Avenue is particularly interesting because people are really using it to run errands and do shopping within that neighborhood, which is not really something we, we expected to see. All of that said, it's a one-year pilot project, and we are looking at the impact on parking. We actually uh, did take out a bunch of parking on 12th Avenue to build those bike lanes, but, in, but we also added more parking on parallel streets. So we actually have added 330, I think that's the number, parking spots, which we, uh, as a result of the bike lane, I know that sounds weird, but we basically found places to squeeze in cars. We've created new curbside corner um, lots for car to goes so that there is more opportunity for other folks. And we are also tracking very carefully what's happening to car traffic and how much longer it's taking to get through um, downtown. And the largest number is on 12th Avenue where people are taking between 120 and 150 seconds longer to go from 14th Street to McLeod Trail. So council at some point, uh, actually at the end of this year, will then have to say, okay, is that a worthwhile sacrifice? We're getting fewer, some fewer cars on the road because people are biking. Uh, and <clears throat> we are reducing some congestion while creating some other congestion, and that's the answer that, again, we have to make a balance on. All right. We, uh, of course, this hour goes way too quickly. Maybe I should stop talking to you at yeah. the beginning of Congress. No, I love you it. Know, I know. Yeah, but, the people you know. love it. I should say, Ange, I think we realized during the break that the gentleman who we were talking to before, Trent, I think it was, on the bike oh, lanes, right. when he said 10th Ave and I said there's no bike lane on 10th Ave, he might have meant 10th Street Northwest where there is one. That's, that one happens to not be one of my favorites. You don't like it. And remember how it all came about, too. That remember, was a weird one. That was, was a weird early one. early in your first That tournament. particular one, I've always wondered if it makes more sense to expand the pathway that's already there for mm-hmm. the portion that's kind of between not south of 16th Avenue and 5th Avenue. Anyway, right. it's very okay. technical. So, but. Trent, if you're still listening, uh, 10th Street, uh, if we're on the same page that way. Let's go to the phones and say hello to Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Oh, hi, uh, Mayor Nenshi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, Mayor Ninchi, um, I understand that uh, the uh, Southwest uh, BRT um, was based on a budget of $40 million uh, uh, on, through a 2010 kind of high-level study. Um, has the city updated its cost estimate on that project yet? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. So the way these projects always work is that you have what's called a class four or class five estimate. And they always say that could be plus or minus 100%. I have never seen it go minus 100%, just saying. Um, And one of the reasons to do the public engagement that we have been doing is to talk to people about add-ons or subtractions from that project. And that will be presented to our committee soon. I can share with you This is actually a bit of a scoop because we haven't shared it yet. Uh, Some of the early, early numbers. And basically what that says is that the base case, which includes the underpass at 90th Avenue and the pedestrian bridge near the Rocky View Hospital at 75th Avenue, is about what it was before. So it was $40 million in 2010 dollars using a construction cost inflation. That comes out to about $45, $46 million uh, in 2016 dollars. That is about the same. Uh, The community has been asking for better pedestrian connections. That's number one. Those are not cheap, Uh, as well as for a different quality of design of the stops. So the stops have to be somewhere between a bench and a stick in the ground and an LRT station. Uh, And those are the two big, big ticket items that could increase that budget. The community has not yet asked, uh, to my knowledge, for uh, demolishing and rebuilding the sound walls, the existing sound walls. If that were to be asked for, that would be also a lot of money. Um, but 
the total amount that the city has approved for all of the BRTs is how we do the budget. So there's a program budget and a project budget. And if the Southwest BRT goes up, then we'll have to find savings in the other BRTs in order to stay within the overall program budget. Um, has, has there been a cost-benefit analysis done uh, on uh, on this or other BRTs? It depends on how you define that term, um, because some of the benefits of transit are difficult to quantify. You know, for example, the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions or the reduction in air pollution. However, we have looked very carefully as part of the Route Ahead process, and you can read that at routeahead.ca at the benefit program of or the benefit picture of all of our transit investments. So for example, one of the reasons, you know, people always ask me why is the LRT to the airport a lower priority than getting some of these other ones built first because great cities have LRT to the airport. And the reason is because as we did that benefit picture in route ahead, we realized that particular one has less benefit in terms of ridership and in terms of quality of life improvements than some of the other ones. So the reason that the BRT program, which is the Southwest BRT, which is a transit way that has its dedicated lanes, the Southeast 17th Avenue Forest Lawn one, which is the same, a transit way with its dedicated lanes uh, for part of it, and then the North Central Crosstown, which is to get people from Northeast Calgary to the University of Calgary without having to go downtown first, uh, as well as the South Crosstown, which links Quarry Park through Heritage Station and the LRT to Mount Royal University. Uh, those were deliberately chosen because they serve employment centers. Uh, they will give people who are currently driving the opportunity to drive less, and they will reduce the transit time for people who do take transit. Jerry, uh, I've just got to say goodbye just because we've got a, a traffic Check up right now, and we've got more phone calls to get to. 351 Helicopter Traffic brought to you by Truman Grand. Opening event featuring four amazing show suites coming soon. Register now. Details at live at 1741.com. Live better, live Truman. Canyon Meadows at Bow Bottom Trail in the city's south side. Fire crews on scene to a house fire. Try to avoid that spot right now. Also crews on scene to a rolled over semi in the northwest. The uh, northbound off-ramp from Stony Trail to Crowchild. Citywide towing on the scene there as well. And also through the northwest, that uh, stalled out vehicle on the side of the road. Northbound Crowchild at 24th. But uh, delays right now. Northbound Crowchild from 24th to about 17th Avenue southwest. Celebrate the Easter long weekend with friends, with family, and with refreshing Coca-Cola. Cola. Taste the feeling. For the News Talk 770 Traffic Helicopter, I'm Chris Duchesne. Good afternoon. I'm Jared Wielden in the News Talk 770 Traffic Center. Northbound Deerfoot Trail looking slow on the approach to 16th Avenue, and that stays pretty heavy until you're north of McKnight Boulevard. Southbound on Deerfoot Trail between Heritage Drive and uh, well, about between halfway between Southland and Anderson, also looking slow through there. Northbound on Blackfoot between Ogden and Deerfoot, we're seeing some delays. If you see anything else, text us 77770 or call 974 825. We've got partly cloudy skies tonight, a low of zero. Tomorrow, the chance of showers or flurries, a high of nine. Hard to believe with such a beautiful day today. Friday, partly cloudy and four. And then Saturday, sunny and eight. Let's see, Sunday, Easter Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud, the high 10 degrees. Right now in Calgary, it is nine degrees. The weather brought to you by your Toyota dealers. The tire price match guarantee is back and we won't be undersold. Visit your Prairie Toyota dealership today. Let's get back to those phones to see if we can squeeze in a couple of more calls. And uh, let's say hi to Tony. Hi, Tony. Hello, Tony. Hello. How, how are you? Good. Hi, Tony. Uh, thank you uh, for taking my call. There's some things I don't understand why you guys are doing it, uh, particularly the bike lane. You guys are doing it for, like, uh, this bike lane is uh, good for only four months out of the year. There is major expenses. You guys should not be doing it. 
secondly, uh, after that, you, you can comment on it. Expenses you guys are doing in the this time of the year, basically the economy is so low and everything, construction. Why are you guys are expanding rail, transit, or whatever you guys are doing? Well, here, here's a question to... for you. Should we do it when it's really expensive and when we can't hire people? No, I don't think so. You need it with the one million people here. That's only one million. Vancouver does not have that. Why well, are we... <laughs> it's funny you would say that because Vancouver is spending about two or three times what we're spending, uh, and that was in the federal budget yesterday. Uh, and in fact, they've got a much more expansive rail system than we have now. And I guess the question is, what do you think the alternative is? 50% of people today take transit downtown to Calgary. Uh, 1% of people use bikes. We're spending about 0.5% of the budget on the 1% who take bikes, so half of their population um, of the people who come downtown. But if everybody drove downtown, do you know how many more roads we would need and how much congestion there would be? And also that we would have to then charge the congestion fee that we were talking about earlier. You know, people live different lives in the city. There's 1.2 million people in the city, and you've got to be able to accommodate different sources of living in a way that accommodates everyone. So if you don't use the bike lanes, don't use the bike lanes. But don't tell other people that they can't have the right to do that either. And by the way, this winter, there's probably been six days that we're not good for biking. So four months of the year, if you really think that it's winter here, eight months of the year, oh, that's a, that's a pretty grim outlook on life. But, uh, you know, so I think that you got to understand when you live in a city, different sorts of people live here and we've got to be able to accommodate them. As for the expansion, I would actually argue exactly the opposite of what you're saying. When interest rates are low and when unemployment is high and we've got an organization that has run its finance as well as the city of Calgary has, this is exactly the time to build stuff we need. Um, exactly the time to act as a shock absorber in the economy. Let's not forget that of those jobs that were lost in the oil and gas sector last year, the vast majority of them were lost because they were tied to capital plans being delayed or cancelled in oil and gas. So these aren't just construction workers. These are people who do contracts and accounting and procurement and human resources and lawyers and uh, who are no longer working. And if we've got the capacity to build stuff we need anyway at a time where unemployment is high, where construction costs are coming in much cheaper than they were a year ago, and when interest rates are low. That's a good thing. So Edmonton, for example, just put out their contract for their new LRT. It was $500 million under budget. Uh, and frankly, if I can get prices like that, I want to do it now. Tony, thanks so much. You get the last call, and this texter gets the last text. I like to listen to Nenshi because when he answers the questions, he actually explains and says something. When I listen to our new prime minister, he talks, but he makes no sense. He says nothing, <laughs> just talks. Okay, that's it. You have yourself a great afternoon. I will not respond to that, uh, <laughs> though I always like to have more facts from all politicians. Thank you, Angela. Thanks, And what's your email? Because I've got so oh, many yes, texts yes, and so many phone so calls here. If it's, on the, if it's on the Twitter, we'll try to answer it. I'll try to answer it personally. If your question was not through today, please the mayor at calgary.ca the mayor at calgary.ca and it may take us a couple days but we will answer we've got wine wednesday coming up at 4 15 but the mayor well he's leaving we're back after this hmm. calgary today with angela cocott weekdays at three on news talk 770 calgary